the Heavy Hole Podcast. This is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. My co-host today, Terrell Grant. Welcome back to Yo, what up? It's the Double H, not the Triple H, because that's controversial right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I... We're gonna need a. I'm gonna need a uh, like a, a dry erase board for a minute, and I'll get back to you if I if I can even co-sign that. May have to edit that. I don't know, man. Right right off the bat, Terrell coming in hot. Um, is that gonna fuck up my algorithm on YouTube? No. Okay. <laughs> you would you would know because you're younger than me, man. How you doing, Terrell? I'm good, man. People people like trashy shit. You know. I'm still trying. Unfortunately, to, I'm from the yeah. Jenny Jones era. So, uh, you know, I'm from the Maury Povich, Jenny Jones, Jerry, like Jerry Springer was the, the king. But when you had a variety of other, uh, Richard Bay, Richard Bay, I don't even remember that. You're, you're a little Richard, young for that. Richard Bay, oh. Richard Bay was the original Look, Jerry Springer. People don't know that. I didn't have, oh, I, I grew up with Jerry, but his name Richard Bay. Now, now, now you, now I got a fact, uncle, dude, I got a fact check myself on this. Who it was, was it Richard Bay or was it something else, man? Richard Yes, Richard Bay. You, you fucking. Now I'm just like angry at the listeners for Fraud. no reason about this because Richard Richard Bay was the originator of Jerry Springer's whole fucking he, thing. He, he was did the a demo. I remember. Yeah, the nihilist. He, he was the. Yeah, he is the. He is the. I know. Actually, he's he's more like in this in this fictional um, account that I'm giving of it, where everyone's angry about this, which I don't even know, but I'm angry about this. He's more like the Cam Lee. Okay. <laughs> uh, who's, he's like he's like the Cam Lee of talk shows, and he's angry at Jerry Springer being the Chuck Schuldner of talk shows. Now I don't know, dude. I'm this is all speculate. I'm what I'm saying is I remember Richard Bay being on TV doing that whole shtick before Jerry Springer really jumped off in the '90s as a kid. Because I yeah, he took he took off with the sound, as you can say. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a suburban automaton. I used to watch that shit as a, as a child. It's corrupt. Dude, I used to I had. Uh... At that, by my age, it was Ricky Lake and Montel Jordan. Ricky uh, Lake, Montel. You mean Montel Maury. Williams, right? Mo- oh, sorry, Mo- I don't know where I got Montel Jordan. From. That well, that was this is how we do it, right? <laughs> See, this yeah, is how we do stuff. it. The Mo- this that was Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. Yeah, uh, I got to fact check yeah. myself. Then. Yeah, but um, yeah, you're you're right, man. Day, daytime television. Oh, yeah. <laughs> dude, I was a little bit older than you in the '90s. I remember I had, I was able to. Retain this stuff a little better. <laughs> whoa, whoa, this whoa. Qu- Actually, this this quality culture, you know. I don't know if I was. I should have even looked that up. So I looked up Montel Jordan, and I see his spouse was born in 1994. He was born in 1968. What? Wait, what year did This Is How We Do It come out? That's what. That's the 80s, right? No, no that was the 90s. 90s. That like that. This This Is How We Do It may have his wife may have been conceived to This Is How We Do It. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Let Wait. me see that. Let's let's. All right, guys. Oh this boy, is this is bad. I looked it up. This is how we do 1995. It. Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. So that's his marker. Uh, he has a standard. That's he doesn't go beyond. Well, I'm. I. I mean, <sighs> damn. I mean, I'm in bands with people that were like probably born when Biolich was out playing shows, but I'm not dating anyone <laughs> that was. That, yeah, that that took a that took a weird. Turn. Sorry. <laughs> It's the truth, man. We're just, I mean, honestly, we're still in the same stream of thought we started out on with Jenny Jones and Jerry Springer. It's like, it's still, yeah, yeah, you're right. it's all wraps right back in, man. Um, Montel Williams was a class, and I felt like Montel Williams and Maury Povich at least presented themselves as a little bit more of a class act. Maybe that was part of, the, yeah. part of their 
part of their gaming of the American viewing public. Um, yeah, I don't, you know how I got on all this? I was watching, uh, there was that infamous case with Jenny Jones where they had the um, the same-sex crush reveal episode where the, the one guy ended up murdering the other guy. Um, people can look this up. You know, I, you know, I'm not, not giving any inflection or opinion on that. It was a true crime story that appeared on my algorithm. Um, but that's why I brought that up, man. But yeah, here we are on the heavy hole podcast. So Terrell, that being said, another random thing, I'm just gonna, I got a grip of Queensryche right here, oh, bro. Flex. Oh, that's awesome. While I switch, my the neighbor subjects, would love that. While I switch the subject completely, yeah, I got Emp, dude. I got Empire. I got a Jet City Woman, like cardboard uh, cassette single here with uh, acoustic remix of "I Dream" and "Infrared Flex." I got two Operation Mind Crimes. I got yeah. Rage for Order and the Warning, bro. Don't fuck with me. They're like these are all original joints, man. You know what I'm saying? You have like a tape for the holidays and then yeah. tape for the car, bro. I go back to the '90s, man. All right, I go back. Don't make me get out the. Uh, I'm looking right now. I just I just set up the rack on the. I got the Warren G CD. I got the Domino CD. I go back to the '90s, bro. We could do it, man. I, I realized, so you know, we didn't go too far off topic with that Ricky Lake story. That's like black metal. R- Ricky Lake. Yeah, no, well, with the uh, the murder, the murdering of the partner. Oh, like, oh, oh that, no, that was Jenny Jones. Yeah, that was Jenny oh, Jones. Jay, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Either yeah. way. It was I dark. Noticed, this is us on a Saturday morning just, like, gossiping with, with coffee. It was sure. dark. <laughs> it was dark and grim. Well, listen, <laughs> man, somebody else that I caught up. Now, I don't know if we gossiped, but we shot the shit a little bit, man. Uh, and he's definitely got his, his feet in the 90s as well. I'm talking about Ian from Extinction AD, man. Let's check it out. Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Ian Samaglia of Extinction AD. Thank you for your time, Ian. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Um, and I'm going to try to get it right this time because the listeners know I botch things sometimes. But Ian, <laughs> are you from a particularly musical family? Uh, anyone older than yourself who played an instrument or maybe even steered your way into heavy music growing up? Yeah, for sure. I would say my whole, my whole family is pretty musical um, as far as who steered me into uh, rock and metal. That would be my dad. Uh, my dad was a guitar player. Um, he was super, super into, you know, just seventies hard rock. Like his favorite band was deep purple. So I grew up listening to, you know, that Sabbath and like anything in that kind of wheelhouse, you know? Um, but uh, my mom also sang. she did musical theater um, for a number of years. And my sister is also a professional singer. So it's kind of, uh, all in the family, I guess, in that sense. Wow. So I, your family, it, I guess it would go without saying, we would imagine that your family's pretty supportive of what you're doing lately with Extinction AD. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. My family has always been really, really supportive, um, which I'm super grateful for, because I know that's not the case with everyone. You know, it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> uh, commit a number of years to my life to, you know, playing in a heavy metal band and playing in bars and sleeping on floors and other fun stuff. And, you know, 
not working consistent hours. It sounds cool, right? Right, right. You know, <laughs> so, sometimes we, I I used to inflate inf, inflate the dividends when I would tell my dad how much the band made. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so is is guitar your first instrument? Uh, yeah, guitar. Guitar definitely came first, um, but pretty early on, I wanted to start playing bass. You know, I saw, what am I call it? I saw some kind of monster when I was pretty young, and there was the whole section in that movie where they were auditioning. You know, Metallica was auditioning bassists, and they got to Rob Trujillo, and he was crushing it so hard that that made me want to pick up bass. So there was a short period early on where I played a little bit of bass but i switched back to guitar pretty quickly and that kind of became the main focus hmm. we, we have a lot of bass players who started out guitarists and they, they yeah. there was just too many guitarists in the neighborhood when they were starting their bands so we're, we're glad yeah, yeah. We're, we're glad you made it back to the guitar side of things man <laughs> uh so metallica was pretty pretty important to you um oh yeah you know, grow, growing up getting into music right Oh yeah, that's they're easily that's my favorite band number one all time always. But I would say they were like the first, uh, the the first band that would fall into like the traditional heavy metal world that I would say really hooked me, and really you know uh, caught me up in you know the whole metal world and you know put me down that rabbit hole I suppose. Fair enough, man, and. Coming from Long Island, I would imagine it's pretty natural that hardcore catches your interest, or at least is is you know adjacent. There's you know everyone's into hardcore. Even if you're not into hardcore, you're friends with some kids that are into hardcore in Long Island. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I I definitely you know even as far back as high school, you know, I, I definitely had you know a couple of my buddies that would go to some of the you know more DIY shows. Which that whole world was kind of beyond me when I was younger. It wasn't until like after I graduated high school that I started going to more local shows and kind of experiencing that scene more. I mean, I was into hardcore pretty early on, um, I guess through like a, a band like Hatebreed. Like I discovered them, you know, through all the, you know, metal channels. I mean, Jamie Josta hosted Headbangers Ball when I was like first getting into metal. So that was a band that was, you know, early on for me really was super important. And, you know, I went to go see them live a bunch of times and they exposed me to other old bands, you know, like, uh, you know, Agnostic Front or uh, Sick of It All and what have you. So I definitely had a little bit of knowledge of like the older, you know, hardcore scene a little bit. But then, you know, when I started going to the more local shows is, I, you know, I definitely became way, well more enveloped um, in the, the scene around me. And yeah, for sure. I definitely... Uh, whether you're directly into hardcore or not, it definitely seeps its way into everything out here, I feel. So uh, even if that's not like your the initial thing that you might get into when it comes to, you know, playing music out here, I feel like, you know, it'll affect you in some way for sure. Yeah, I, I think the idea of like Metallica and classic New York hardcore speaks to maybe a little bit of like that crossover sound Extinction AD brings to the table, you know? that idea absolutely um all right man so you're playing guitar you're 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 from a musical family and i mean obviously it goes without saying like you know your dad was kind of a hard rock guy it sounds like so when you get into metallica and things like that that's like a natural course of course of events is there like i mean is there a point where you get into more extreme like thrash and things like that like does, is, is there ever is there ever a point i guess where music is too heavy for your dad or is your dad still just like a metalhead yeah, well, uh, 
my dad was pretty so my dad was the one he showed me metallica like the first metallica song i ever heard was sanitarium so he was definitely down for like some of like the heavier stuff in that sense you know it, it, de- it definitely i remember he used to always like mock like death metal vocals or extreme vocals you know which i'm sure you know anyone who's into this kind of music i'm sure they have some sort of relative who does some sort of mocking extreme vocals so everyone you know knows what that is to some extent i'm sure um but uh you know um sorry can i just lost my train of thought let me back up for a second uh yeah, just just about your dad, and um, I guess that yeah. kind of answers the question. When when it comes to death metal vocals, that's when your dad was kind of like, "All right, that's enough." Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, though I, I think you know he could kind of appreciate some of the musicality of it, but mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't play too too much of uh, the death metal stuff for him. But um, for me, getting into all that kind of stuff, like when you know I got into Metallica pretty early on, and then you know soon enough, I definitely got into you know Slayer, and I would definitely see you know commercials around this time when i was watching like headbangers ball or something for i guess at the time was the new cannibal corpse album which would be kill so i would always like hear like bits and pieces of that record and then that at first i was like "Ooh, i don't know about this one like this to me i feel like is one step too far but then i would hear it over and over again and i was like all right you know maybe there is something to this and then not long later i remember i think the first like death metal cd i ever got was the bleeding uh which i got at i think fye at roswell field mall back in the day good old times record stores and all that um <laughs> yeah fye man yeah. um it, it's funny too because you know in hindsight it's really the vocals and the whole the whole lyrics and the aesthetic. You know, musically, you know, death metal had a lot to offer those old school heads, but there was that cutoff point of the vocals and the subject matter. Um, all right, man. So, so you join Extinction AD around 2015. Yeah, 2015 is when I joined that band. Okay, now I know prior to that you had spent a little bit of time in the band called Detriment from Long Island, Long Island hardcore band. Um, had, I mean, what, was that, uh, a substantial amount of time in that band? Did you contribute to writing? Did you play shows? I contributed to the songwriting a little bit. There's only one release that I played on with that band that was called Suffered This Life, which I think initially came out in 2013. And then I think was, or came out initially in 2014 and then was re-released in 2014. Um, and I, I didn't do a whole lot with that band. Um, but, uh, the first little bit of like touring, I did was definitely in that band, like just doing, you know, small van tours, you know, just up and down the East Coast. And then uh, we actually the first like I, I think like real, real tour that band ever did was actually in Europe. Funny enough, wow. um, which we did in 2015. Then we got signed to this European label and they re-released that one EP that I had done with them. But then shortly after that, I joined Extinction AD and that definitely became the uh, um, the full time thing. As far as music's uh, concerned. Okay, now, and I want to talk about Extinction AD. I want to talk about your new EP, Ruthless Intent, on Unique Leader Records that was just released like a day or two before we're recording this, um, and all of that, and the fact that you went to Europe. But going back to Detriment, so your first experience touring, you go to Europe with Detriment. What yeah. was what was that like? Was that was that kind of like low budget? Was it? Um, I mean, you guys are young. It's a hardcore band, and, and you know, and you know, you've, you've you've obviously maybe seen bigger venues over there by now. Like, re- reflect on that detriment European tour, if you could. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely funny looking back on it now. 
given that extinction just did our first european tour this past summer so um you know having seen two different sides of the european torn thing it's definitely um fun to look back on that experience but yeah um it was crazy uh it was you know definitely really eye-opening seeing how uh different parts of the world i guess like treat music or treat musicians you know i think anyone that's been on here that's you know talked about touring in europe and well you've toured in europe at this point right no never been no you haven't Shit. never been never been Damn. yeah yes there's some some other guy sang a few of my songs over there i heard that's about yeah. it <laughs> damn no it'll happen damn, one man. day we're working towards it bro yeah yeah well as, as i'm sure you've heard by you know any musician that's toured in europe is you know they treat bands super well over there like mm -hmm. you're almost guaranteed you know food a place to stay you know you don't really have to worry about that stuff as much touring over there as you would in the states and that goes you know all the way down to the diy level too like we went over there as like a no-name band you know basically a no-name band especially over there and you know there's just a couple guys that thought we were cool and wanted to you know book shows for us there and you know we jumped on the opportunity and it ended up being you know like the sickest thing ever and you know i definitely uh um i definitely learned a lot about touring doing that even though it wasn't particularly long um still like i guess um losing some of the senses of comfort uh you know as far as like being in like a foreign place and but you know little things being different and you know sometimes there's a little bit of a language barrier like i remember there was a whole issue where i almost lost my guitar mm. um in uh one of the layovers which was a whole fun thing where i had to you know run around the moscow airport at like six in the morning trying to find someone who was willing to help me uh wow, wow. yeah Good times, good times. So it was definitely a lot of, uh, you know, hands-on learning, uh, so to speak, for someone who had never toured before. Did you guys perform in Russia? No, no. We uh, we took a Russian airline to get out there. So the cheapest way to get over to Switzerland was to fly all the way to Moscow and then fly <laughs> um, back to Switzerland, I guess, so to speak. Okay. So, um, yeah. Interesting. Okay, man. So yeah, man. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Um, uh, so we kind of have that to contrast to. Uh, did you do like the, the another thing I hear a lot about you? Did you play like the 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 like being in a hardcore band? Were you guys playing like squats and and like punk squats and those type of places? Or we? I would say we only played one one place that I would consider a squat because it was like legitimately in an abandoned office building. <laughs> um, yeah. But for the most part, it was kind of just, you know, small clubs or I guess like, you know, how it is here, just a lot of like rented halls and stuff that aren't like, you know, places that aren't conventional music venues, so to speak. Um, so it wasn't too dissimilar to doing things out here because the shows we were playing out there, it was like a handful of, you know, smaller shows. And then it was a handful of, uh, festivals or you know, smaller hardcore festivals um and um yeah so nothing nothing too uh too much as far as the squats but yeah the abandoned office building was one of the shows okay man so 
You come home, you join Extinction AD. Shout out to your singer, Rick, who we did have on this oh, yeah. podcast. I, I was looking back in the, to do my notes today. I can't believe it's been over three years since we had your singer, Rick, mm. on, man. Um, time flies. Yeah, man. So I'm glad we I'm glad we got you on and it timed out with this new EP. Um, but you you join up with Extinction first. I mean, tell me about that. Uh, you know, did you did you know these guys prior? Did you just hear they're looking for a guitarist? What's the story? Yeah, so I was already funny enough. I was a fan of the band already, and I had seen them <clears throat> a couple times just from like going to local shows here, um, and just having you know an awareness of you know you know the other guys in the band coming from like This Is Hell and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I was already aware of the band and I was a fan. Um, I had like, I actually, funny enough, I knew their uh, previous lead guitarist, Christian, shout out Christian Beal. Um, I knew him a little bit uh, before I ended up <laughs> taking his place in the band. Uh, but um, I knew Rick a little bit just again from, you know, the local scene. And uh, one day just out of the blue, he shot me a message on uh, Facebook just saying hey you know we might be looking to you know potentially get a new lead guitarist um would you be down to you know try out for us and I was like yeah but yes I would because I was you know already super into the band you know because I've always been you know a metal guy first and foremost um as much as I love you know as much as I loved playing in a hardcore band and I love that music I've always wanted to play in a metal band so like knowing that there was like a sick metal band from Long Island I was always like man one day one day and then you know sure enough <laughs> you know that ended up happening so that was cool um but uh yeah so like i said he hit me up out of the blue to kind of you know audition for the band and you know one thing led to another and the first show i played with extinction was at saint vitus in the the fall of 2015 we were opening for metal metal allegiance which is like that super group was it? like I think it's Mike Portnoy, Dave Ellison, uh-huh. um, like Mark from Death Angel, Alex Skolnick, all doing like metal covers and stuff like that. So, you know, going from playing, you know, hardcore shows to like, hey, right, now you're playing shows with all these like, you know, crazy metal musicians and shit. It was definitely uh, a bit of a, a jump, but it was cool for sure. Yeah, I was well. That was going to be like my question: is coming from a hardcore band, but had, with that upbringing of you know more Metallica, and that's did you kind of feel like you were home, you know, at that point? A hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, Rick and I definitely had very similar taste in music. He's also a huge Metallica fan. Um, we both also have a huge love for '90s Testament, which uh, anyone that listens to some of the newer extinction ad music and probably hear that influence we shamelessly rip off lots of 90s testament um <laughs> but uh yeah so i i definitely it definitely felt like a better fit for me playing in a band like this for sure well it seems like you know um i like it seems like you guys have a very 90s centric kind of sound and and writing style like and i i say this respectfully but you guys have a pocket yeah. of like um, kind of vintage Metallica, Pantera, Machine Head, mm-hmm. New York hardcore. That you know, oh, there's yeah. there's there's something very like, uh, you know, guy in the '90s who did some time and goes to shows at CBGBs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Vibe going on there, man. Like it, it seems very kind of pure and not necessarily, um, 
tainted by the modern by, by anything modern there's there's no degent in there there's no tech death in there you know and, and i say that like, it's, it, it's uh, yeah. all it's all complimentary i'm saying you know no for sure for sure well yeah i would say it's definitely no secret that we're super influenced by you know all the bands and things you just mentioned you know we definitely wear our influences on our sleeves i would say um and yeah you know I would say with our like newer material, we definitely made a conscious effort and conscious decision to kind of make things a bit more like groove oriented, you know, just because, you know, that stuff is just fun to play. And we love Pantera, you know, we love, you know, just like I've always loved like the groovier side of thrash things like, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, those 90s Testament records or even, you know, Metallica load and reload. Like I love I love that shit. So you know, anytime you, know, you inject a little bit of groove and just, you know, some like heavy riffage into the thrash stuff, I think has always been really sick. So, yeah, no, it, we've definitely been uh, going more in, I guess, that 90s kind of direction for sure. And the hardcore element is still there um, as well. Definitely. I, I think now, obviously, you guys have built up the band quite a bit um, over, over the last several years with with, you know, old fashioned hard work, touring, that sort of thing. Um, but one thing, the, the culture of metal in the last decade, yeah, the nineties are back. Like, like early nineties, death metal is back. Thrash metal oh, yeah. is back. Even new, that. new metal is back. It's like, and it's mm-hmm. all kids kind of are just mesh. Like there's not really a lot of borders between all the subgenres anymore. Do you feel extinction AD has kind of benefited from, from that the last few, have you seen <clears throat> at, at shows maybe a little bit more of like a, you know, a diverse crowd in terms of like kids don't care anymore. They just want something good. They don't, you know, they're, they're, they're hundred, hundred percent dude. Um, You know, the first, the first big tour that the band did like post COVID, we did a full U S tour opening for cattle decapitation it was the beginning of uh, 2022, and that lineup, it was Cattle Decap headlining, uh, Last 10 Seconds of Life, Direct Support, Creeping Death, and then us um, opening every night. And, you know, right off the bat, you know, those four bands, four very different bands, you know, you got, you know, Cattle, which are at this point, I would say almost like what, like progressive death metal mm. um, to an extent you know, uh, last 10 deathcore creeping death, doing the old school death metal thing. And then us doing the, you know, thrash crossover groove metal thing. You know, I, I, I can remember a point in time where you couldn't have like a deathcore band opening for a death metal band and it being like taken seriously. Like there would always be some sort of notable divide in the crowd and that doesn't really exist anymore. And, you know, I think post COVID, there's been a lot of, you know, younger kids getting into the stuff and then you go to shows now and there's a lot of young new faces and, you know, I think a lot of people go into shows for the first time, like, especially, you know, for like those first few tours, like right after COVID and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think right now things, as far as heavy mu- music is concerned, I think things are in a really good place where you definitely don't have nearly as much of that divide as there used to be, say like 10, 20 years ago. And, you know, even further back, I'm sure. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a great thing. Um, you know, as as much as I personally like to go see three or four tight death metal bands in a row at a show, there's also something to be said for, you know, a, a diversity of genres, at, you know, at a different show, too. That could be interesting as well. Not everybody has the tolerance for guttural vocals and um, blast beats that, that some people do. 
Um, yeah. And and it's you know you're right. I think cattle de- cattle decapitation does deserve to be called progressive death metal in a good mm-hmm. way. I would say they. I don't know that they are. Some people, I think, dismiss them because they're not. They're not progressive in like the let me bring the guy with the sitar in you know like <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know they're they're not like that zen meditation like kind of like like meme of progressive music but right, they right. they are definitely pushing death metal in a different direction a new sound they're they're doing 100%. something different. i mean yeah <clears throat> everything that um that uh travis does vocally is just so so insane and, you know, I would watch them play like the song Death Atlas every night and just be, you know, knocked on my ass because it was just so sick. And so, you know, just epic. I don't know. Like they're really doing something special for sure. Yeah. Cattle Decapitation is a great live band and um, definitely something that I, I had the I needed to revisit at one point because I, I kind of got into them a little bit late in the game. So I'll just throw that out there, man. would love to speak to Travis on the show. But, Ian, I got you here. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, so you sign on with Extinction AD. I know, I mean, you did a lot of touring last year, but that wasn't even the, I mean, you guys have always kind of been busy out there on the road, right? Pretty much since you joined the band, you started doing a lot of work. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, the first couple tours I did with the band was, uh, let me think. The first tour I did was with Unearth. We were opening for them. And that was about like maybe a week and a half or so. And then we did a tour with Havoc not long after that. So right off the bat to um, U.S. tours, uh, the latter of which being, I think, if I remember correctly, like a mostly a full yes, a full U.S. tour kind of deal. So, you know, going from doing kind of the DIY hardcore thing to doing like full on metal tours was definitely uh, a bit of a shift. But one I was definitely, you know, ready for and was super excited for. Um but yeah, going from playing, you know, VFW halls to, you know, playing all these, you know, cool venues and, you know, sharing the stage with like, you know, musicians that, you know, I think are sick or like, you know, bands I grew up listening to and stuff. That's always kind of a trip. So yeah, you know, going to doing that sort of stuff was definitely really sick at that time for sure. Um, Did, now I know the, the, the first album you appear on is Decimation Treaty from 2018, right? Yeah, yeah. Did how soon do you get into the writing of the of the music? Um, is that is Decimation? Do you contribute a lot on Decimation Treaty or? Nah, Decimation Treaty. I only wrote solos for. Um, I didn't write anything until the uh, the Chaos Collusion Carnage Propaganda EP. Got it. Um, the first first couple tracks on that are my tracks um or uh usually i'll write i'll bring a song in and rick will kind of you know edit it a little bit or rearrange some stuff and uh whatnot but yeah a couple of those songs are mine and then on culture of violence um i have a song or a few riffs on there as well and then on the newer stuff even more more so yeah Got it. Got it. The new one sounds very well balanced. It's like a, it's an EP, four songs. Sounds like um, starts off very raw and in your face, and it sounds like you guys might even lean into like the metal a little bit more as it goes on. I don't know. That's just my kind of after having spun it once or twice. Um, yeah, for it, sure, it, for sure. It's yeah. It's got it's got a fresh sound, even fresher artwork. The, yeah, the, the cover art is different. It's different in a good way. It has this kind of like, it reminds me of like those movies from the 70s, the exploitation movies. 
yeah yeah um shout out to uh lauren moran who's one of rick's friends uh she did the artwork and she did an amazing job uh yeah it's definitely going for that uh 70s movie poster vibe and uh you know it's been i guess a trend now for us where on our eps we kind of do some different kind of artwork or at least different for us or maybe different for you know our kind of genre sort of artwork so we definitely uh you know like to have fun with uh, things conceptually sometimes like that so it was cool to do something i guess a bit out of the box so to speak for the artwork yeah and and you know we already talked a little bit about uh the band's sound and some of the influences mm. you lean you lean into and are very proud uh, to to be you know kind of kind of doing in your own way um so i don't you know i don't want to ask like the typical boring question what are your influences but going into this four song ep though what are what were some of the objectives? What were some of the uh, visions that you guys had for it? And um, you know, devil's advocate question: Why the choice to do a four song EP as opposed to a new album? Uh, does, is it? Maybe, I'm thinking maybe live schedule or something. Yeah. Well, so we um, the uh, initial idea was for uh, after cultural violence was we were just going to start writing another full length record, but. You know, we went into it with the goal of, all right, let's just write as many songs as we can and just keep writing, keep writing. And, you know, we'll pick the best 10 or so, and then that'll be the next record. So we wrote a bunch of songs. And then um, as time went on, the idea changed to, hey, let's take four of these songs and do an EP just so we can uh, you know have something come out and just have a bit more, I guess, momentum in our you know release schedule and whatnot. And, uh, you know, then continue writing more songs for the full length. So what initially was going to just be, you know, a f- follow-up full length then evolved into the two release idea, so to speak. Um, so we took, we took four tracks that we felt kind of fit the best together. Um, and that were, I guess, you know, some of the more, I guess, in your face and to the point songs. And uh, we felt that uh, they would just, you know, work well to kind of, you know, beat people over the heads a little bit and just give them a little taste of uh you know, the direction we're going in for the new full length, you know. And where did you record uh, Ruthless Intent? We recorded Ruthless Intent at Barbershop Studios with Brett Romney's. Um, and we did it. Well, when we record our stuff, uh, Rick will record most of the guitars himself. I'll record my leads myself at home. Uh, and he'll record the vocals himself as well. And then when we go into the studio, we really only just do drums and like reamping and that sort of stuff there. Um, so we recorded the drums and did all the reamping in one day hmm. for Ruthless Intent. Um, it was a long day, but it was a, a good productive day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say the uh, the end result is, you know, pretty sick. Uh, well, fair enough. And as as you say, you um, you do a lot of leads I you know I'm not a guitarist man uh, a lot of it's all it's all uh, latin to me uh, but um it's all greek to me I think is the saying but it's like reading latin yeah. when it comes to this guitar gear stuff but not for some of the listeners so if you could break down for some of the listeners who know more than me about this stuff Ian any pedals um or or amplifiers or anything in general that you use that you want to talk about um and of course what kind of guitar or guitars you used For sure so um well as far as guitars I'm always using um my ltd guitars which i i've been playing for a long time uh in this band and they've always served me well um 
but as far as uh amps and pedals and whatnot uh pedals uh i got a a dunlop mini wah which has been really really sick you know there's a, a lot of different you know settings and things you can adjust on there um and i use that all over the listen 10 ep um and as far as amps uh for guitar solos i believe we ran them into uh, i believe we ran the lead guitars uh, hmm shit i'm trying to remember now <laughs> what did we use for lead guitars um i know we used rick's um mesa boogie for guitars and uh one of brett's uh friedman amps for guitars as well okay man yeah some of the listeners like to know that that behind the scenes stuff and uh as we said before you guys did um a flurry of uh live shows last year and, and even leading up to this interview really i want to talk about some of that mm-hmm. going to yeah, europe was that your first time going to europe with extinction ad last year yeah, yeah, that was the first time with Extinction, which we were we tried. We we're supposed to do a tour a few years back. We were well, I think the first time we tried going over there was 2015 or 2016, and that just ended up not happening for one reason or another. Um, and then we were supposed to go in 2022, but then that had to get canceled uh, yeah. for reasons. And then um, finally, 2023 was the year that we actually made it over there. And yeah, it was the first time, and it was it was awesome, man. It was uh, you know definitely everything I hoped it would be or could be. Um, you know, we played a lot of really really sick shows. You know, a lot of really cool festivals that you know even outside of playing, just like being able to attend was just you know cool enough for me. Like, oh, sick! I get to just hang out at Brutal Assault for a day. Okay, sick. You know. Yeah, I so I, you know I was going back through your guys' social media to, to taking my notes before I saw you did a lot of crazy shit. That um, yeah, man. I mean that brutal assault was the brutal assault. Was that one the the one with like Sepultura and Sodom and or am I thinking? Yeah, of- yeah. So uh, the day we played, it was crazy, man. Like yeah, Sepultura played, Dying Fetus played, um, Dismember played, like oh. you know, uh, Moonspell, like just. All sorts of stuff, man. It was crazy. It was crazy. Wow, man. Um, yeah, Summer Breeze, Dynamo, Metal Fest. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of bucket list stuff out there, man. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen some of the video footage. You guys did get to play to some some good-sized crowds, you know? Yeah, man, it was crazy because at, um, at Summer Breeze, they had us slotted at 12.30 in the morning playing after after um all the headliners so megadeth headlined the main like the the main stage that day and then when they were done sepultura started playing on one of the side stages and then right when sepultura finished then we start so it's like you know <laughs> i guess the initial thought is of if you don't really know how european festivals are you might think of like well everyone's gonna leave before we play of course right well no uh Lots of people hung out. Uh, people were having a great time at 1230 in the morning. And, you know, uh, I guess the way they set it up was, you know, right when Sepultura finished, we kind of like caught their crowd as they were walking away from their stage. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, you know, even playing as you know late as that, we still had, you know, big crowds and whatnot. And people were having a good time. So, you know, can't complain, man. 
keep the party going. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, um, for real. Wow. So all all that all that crazy European. So any uh, any road mishaps? Any wild stuff happened, man? Like that, like chasing the gear around Moscow, like you were talking about? <laughs> no, not so much this time around. Um, I will say there was a pretty crazy uh, two day thing. So like right after Summer Breeze, we drove to an airport in France in I think Paris actually um, which was I think was like a 10 hour drive or something so we can get on a flight to uh, I forget exactly where but somewhere else in France to go play another festival which was the motor motor culture festival um, in France which was insane arguably the best show of that whole tour um, which was another show where we played at 12 30 in the morning um, you know, after the headliners, like after Hatebreed played, after Cadaver played, like, wow. you know, crazy shit. And the crowd was so sick, so enthusiastic, so energetic. Um, but it was a crazy, you know, 24 hour period going from playing Summer Breeze, then doing all this traveling, pretty much getting no sleep along the way. And then uh, playing another crazy festival at 1230 in the morning. Yeah, another country. I I heard the heat is crazy over in Europe, man. Yeah, dude. I mean, thankfully it wasn't too unbearable when we went over there. I would say, like for the most part, the weather was pretty perfect. So, you know, All right. no complaints for me. I I, I will say in, in 2015 though, when I was over there, it was pretty brutal. That's what I've heard. I've heard the summers over there, and I've heard there's a lot less access to air conditioning than in the United States. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing for sure. Um, which you know, I love Europe. Don't get me wrong, but guys, you got to do something about that, dude. We did uh, reeking. Aura. It's real. Reeking. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, reeking aura played North Carolina, and we played in somewhere in Florida in the middle of the heat wave in August this year. First of all, booking the down south tour in the middle of August was not a smart move, but there were the two those two spots they had no AC in the venue. It was brutal, absolutely brutal. Yeah, rough. And then we came all the way back up up north, and we played Dingbats and Dingbats. Shout out to Dingbats. It wasn't their fault, but they had an electrical problem. And their oh, AC no. like went out that day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the cra- it was the no AC uh, tour. But listen, speaking about all the crazy temperatures and and weathers, th- just this past week, and we're we're recording this on um, uh, January fifteenth. Uh, um, and uh, you guys just did what the twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth. You were up in Albany, uh, mm-hmm. Rhode Island, and Vermont. If I got it right, man, that the yeah, weather. Yeah. How how did the weather treat you? Because the weather was a little crazy down here. You know, it wasn't too bad. You know, it, it definitely it was snowing a little bit yesterday up in uh, in Rhode Island. But for the most part, you know, wasn't too, too bad. A little bit of snow, but, you know, it wasn't like unbearably cold outside. And I'm the first person to start complaining about the cold. Like yeah. I'm uh, like spring and summer man through and through fall. I fuck with too, but winter get that shit out of here. Uh, <laughs> but I was chilling. So I guess it wasn't that bad, all things considered. <laughs> all right, fair enough, fair enough, man. Things could things could have been worse. I see because you been worse. You played Vermont. I also see. I think last year you did the New Hampshire Hardcore Fest. Is that, I got that uh, right? I think New I, Hampshire Hardcore Fest. I think um, I I think I saw it on your social media. If I'm not mistaken, we um, played. I know we definitely did play it in New Hampshire last year. I'm I'm honestly like the worst at remembering shows and stuff. Fair enough. Um, 
I'm cheating because I'm using the internet. I'm just taking my notes here. But all I'm getting at is that part of the country, Vermont, well, yeah. Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, I have very few Dude. times ever hit those areas on tours. They don't really it's 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 hard to perform there. I just it seems like you guys have made a point of of hitting there a few times. Yeah, it was a Absolutely, man. Like we've been doing a lot of shows up in that area lately, you know, between last year and I guess now this past weekend. Um, and honestly, it's been awesome. Crowds up there, you know, for what we do, you know, uh, for like shows of our size, like it's been great. Um, like people are, you know, having a good time, you know, they're supporting local bands. Um, it's like you know every everything you could possibly want from a local scene. I I've definitely have experienced in those parts of the country. So I think you know bands. If you aren't going up to playing, you know Rhode Island and Maine and Vermont and stuff, you should do that. You should do that because people like heavy music up there. Yeah, it seems like a lot of bigger tours. The the Northeast stops at like Boston, Rhode Island, and upstate New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, but I have I have been up to like Vermont once, and I think New Hampshire once, and each each time, yeah, it was it was um yeah it was a different vibe because when you perform in areas that don't get all the tours and don't get the people don't care as much about genre and about whether it's their scene, people just want to go see a live show sometimes. Um, yeah, man. So yeah, that, that that's cool, man. Um, glad those shows went good. Uh, and now I know the the one thing I saw you guys are doing. You guys are going to Toronto in May for the Prepare the Ground Fest. I saw that on your yeah, uh, man. your social media. Yeah, um, you've obviously been to Canada before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've played Canada a bunch of times. Toronto, um, Montreal, Ottawa. You know, Vancouver, all over. Something I ask a lot of people, because I've never been to Canada, I had a legal situation that prevented me from going there for many years. We're working on it now with, with uh, my bands. Would love to get up there. Shout, shout to the Canadian listeners. Um, yeah. I've always heard that Canada is a different uh, animal for touring because some of the cities are so far and few between. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. You know, We haven't done a tour that was really like straight uh, up canada all the way through um the closest we did we did do a stretch of canadian shows in 2018 with uh suicidal tendencies and havoc in uh like western canada so we did like vancouver um let me think it was like vancouver uh, sorry vancouver <laughs> <laughs> vancouver um calgary like places like that and um it was uh there were definitely some longer drives, if I remember correctly, but I feel like most of the time that we've done Canada, it's usually part of like a, a U.S. tour or something. But there are definitely some some lengthy drives uh, up there, if I remember correctly. But beautiful drives, you know, it's, mm. you know, seeing all the, you know, the forests and whatnot, you know, seeing moose on the side of the road. Yeah. You know, I don't mind. The driving through the Pacific Northwest, um, oh, know, yeah, or, Oregon and Northern California. Did did you mm. did you happen to play California with suicidal tendencies? No, no, it was all all Canada, okay. all Western Canada. I'm sure suicidal tendencies is great anywhere, but uh, you know, a Cal like playing a California show with them probably pops off. Um, oh yeah, I'd imagine. Uh, that's that's a great yeah, that's a great band for you guys to play with, man. They um, 
Yeah, dude. They they, they must have had like a, a crate of bandanas on the rider every night <laughs> between the <laughs> between the two dude. bands. I, I will say though, I did you know. I remember one of the shows I did walk by their green room and I did just in the corner of my eye notice a fridge full of diet Pepsi in there. So that made me happy. That made me very happy. Nice, nice. <laughs> living it, man. Living it. You always want to see Hell people, yeah. artists that live their lyrics, real life. Um <laughs> all right. So, so uh Ian, um being respectful of your time, we appreciate it, man. Um uh, we wish you guys the best of luck going forward. Is there any now we talked about this fest in Toronto? Is there anything else you guys have booked this year that you want to talk about? Um, nothing that's announced at the moment. Um, but yeah, we are playing Prepare the Ground Festival in Toronto, which I'm personally psyched for. You know, there's a lot of bands on that fest that I want to see and that I didn't think that a band like Extinction would be playing shows with, but I'm cool with being like the odd band out on a hmm. festival. So you know, I'm here for it. But yeah, um, uh, nothing else announced right now, but we definitely have some things in the works and, you know, you may hear some new music from us sooner than later as well. That's the thing about dropping a four song EP. You keep it mysterious because you guys could come back anytime yeah. with like a, a single or an album. You could just drop something. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, we, um, we, we may or may not have recorded a full length record. Just recently. Oh, so. boy. Anybody's guess. You're making the listeners uncomfortable now, man. You, yeah. that, mis- that, <laughs> that mystery talk. I'm going to tell them to, to, to keep it locked on your social media um, oh, yeah, and to follow you for whatever you're doing. And we are, we are going to give you the opportunity to plug and promote anything else. But right now, I'm going to start winding down. My, my question, I always ask everybody. I'm going to catch you off guard here. Recommend one older and one newer piece of music by any artist at all. It could be a demo, an album, anything, metal or otherwise. Just something from back in the day and something from a little bit more modern era uh, for me and the listeners to check out. There's no strict rules. Just just something you, you've been jamming on. Two things. Okay. Let me see. Uh, I just listened to, which to me is a classic record, uh, Nevermore Politics of Ecstasy. Hmm. That album fucking rocks. Um, if you don't listen to Nevermore, you should probably change that because I think they're one of the sickest bands that come out of the 90s for sure. One of my favorites. Um, a band I'm, I'm unfortunately not as... I'm, not that I like don't like them. I just n- never really like, gave them a chance or, or got into them. I will put that on my well, list. That, that record is sick. Pat, O'Bri- uh, Pat O'Brien plays guitar in that album. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was the band he was playing in, like, right before Cannibal Corpse. And didn't, because there's also, like, I think it was Ralph Santola was in Iced Earth at one point. It's That that sounds about right, it's, yeah. It's interesting when some of these, like, you know, like like death metal uh, uh, icons, you know, have also been in more traditional heavy metal bands. That's, that's I, yeah. I, I will check that out, man. That's interesting to hear. Yeah, man. Yeah, that album's awesome. You know, uh, as far as something newer... Um, actually, I just today listened to the new single by it's a new band. They're called Myth Carver from Texas doing, a, I guess, a traditional heavy metal sort of thing. Um, but yeah, they just put out a new track, which is called I'll tell it to you in two seconds as I thumb through my Spotify. Myth Carver. Uh, I like that name. Myth Carver. Yeah. 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 They're badass. Um yeah, they put out a, a single called King of the Pyre, hmm. which, I mean, 
sounds pretty fucking metal to me. So yeah, Myth Carver, King of the Pyre. Okay, yeah, that that's definitely metal. They got all their metal terminology down. I will check it out, man. Um, Hell yeah, man. Good to hear. And Nevermore. That's a band. I like. It's just. It's one of those bands that I always kind of thought was cool, even though I'd never heard because they were always in ads alongside other bands, like in Metal Maniacs magazine in the '90s when I was growing yeah. up, you know. So it's like I definitely they were right there. I got I got checked that. I was probably checking a little bit for, more for the death metal and black metal around that time, man. But um, for sure, for sure, we'll definitely give it a shot. Maybe we'll talk about them more on the podcast coming up. Um, so uh, listen, ruthless intent is the new EP by Extinction AD out on Unique Leader Records. That's It's digital uh, when I had access to it, obviously, but is there mm. a physical copy coming, or is it just digital for now? Um, For now, it's a digital-only release, but um, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it'll come to vinyl, you know, with a, a potential new full-length record, perhaps. But for the time being, it's just a digital-only release, yeah. All right, a lot of mystery, and maybe, just maybe, <laughs> Extinction AD will be coming and playing a show in a town near you. Maybe, just maybe, there'll be a release. Uh, you got to stay tuned. Follow them on social media, Extinction AD on Unique Leader Records. Ian, it's been great talking to you, man, um, and uh, thank you so much for your time. Any parting words for fans of Extinction AD and listeners of the podcast? Um. Keep supporting heavy metal. Keep supporting heavy music. Go to local shows. Go to any shows. Just, you know, keep it alive. Hell yeah, man. Great talking to you, brother. Uh, all the best uh, going forward. All the best to you, man. Thank you so much for having me. We appreciate Ian from Extinction AD uh, sharing his story, man. Check those guys out wherever they're coming uh, to a town near you. We wish them the best of luck in the future. Terrell, you still with me? Yeah, I'm here. Speaking of the future, uh, now <laughs> now that we're here on the in the immediate future of this podcast episode, man. Yeah, we got we were watching TV before, man. We had a lot of weird a lot of weirdo stuff, man. Let's you know I I try to I feel like time spent listening to music is like more valued. I mean, this is my this is just my personal. My own personal thing. I'm not judging anyone else. But, like, I feel like my time is more valued when I'm listening to music than when I'm, like, viewing TV or, you know, or movies. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just my... I, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, shit on people who are, like, cinema buffs or anything like that. Maybe it's because I feel like I'm maybe investing something in my, in my like my own self as a music lover. I don't know, man. But then, and then, but then you see like the porno grind and, and the gore grind <laughs> in the collection. It's like, no, Will, you're not better than these people. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends, right? It's if you're like actively listening or actively observing, there's a, there's an argument that's to be made. Same with video games, right? Some people shit on video games, but it's a little more of a active pastime than just watching something. I, yeah, in my in my opinion, I got yeah, I don't shit on video games, but like it's I guess just that's what it for you know what it is really. The music hits for me the same point that it hits that the video games hit for some people, a movie hits for other people. It, I'm not yep. judging nobody, man. And for the record, I, I'm, I'm the only porno grind recording in my collection may be Gut Order Order of Torture, 
and that's only because it's um you know it's an original OG '90s uh you know like like Morbid Records band, so it's part of the Criterion collection uh, of, of of my my music. So I don't I'm not re- that was a, that was just a, a bit you know I've been I've been working on. Um, yeah, I see that romper prop demo behind you. Hey hey hey! Actually, I'm gonna say Frosted Flakes. <laughs> listen, buddy, I, just for that I'm whipping out this. Heroes and Legends of Christian Extreme Metal Sampler that I got on deck. <laughs> Terrell, Terrell, you know I got it right here, right next to the grip of Queensryche tapes, bro. Yeah, you're trying to balance it out, but what's funny when when you showed me that the logo at the bottom looks like a backwards logo. Oh, it almost a, looks like a backwards logo with the extra pointiness. What's funny is I don't know why I saw that. It says Bombworks. Bombworks, okay. <laughs> Bombworks Records and uh, BoonsOverstock.com. I ordered a Crimson Thorn record. Okay. Them? You, I don't, you know, you, have I yeah, yeah. them? You know, Crimson Thorn, like a very mm, pretty brutal, guttural band for a '90s Christian death metal band. All right, I'm gonna. So this this came for free with it, and I must have put it in like a stack of papers or books or whatever. And I was just cleaning up and going through things, and I found it recently. I never checked it out. It's the Boone's Overstock Heroes and Legends of Christian Extreme Metal Volume One. Um. Very excited to check this out to listen to Dark Lay Still and Testor Hortor. They're very big on the oars, the Hortor. Uh, <laughs> a, a hill to die upon. Crimson Thorn uh, is on here. Dagon, My Silent Wake, Deuce Invictus, Divulgence, Grave Declaration. Holy Blood, Seventh Angel, My Silent Wake. I've never heard of any of these bands except for Crimson Thorn. So I am going to check this out, man. Any um, and by the way, just for the listeners, for newer listeners, first time listeners, I I wouldn't describe myself as a um, Christian uh, necessarily, but I've always been very fascinated by the Christian metal scene. Respectfully, we've interviewed a few people that that have been in that scene or are from that scene, and I do collect some of that stuff. It's a bit of a uh like a weird outsider for the extreme metal scene, you know? Yeah. I, I did find it interesting. It, it's like a counterculture to the counterculture in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, and it's and it, depending, I, depending, unless you're trying to use it as a subversive tool or going back to like Christian hardcore bands and stuff. And you're trying to lure people in or if yeah. you're using it as a statement to like set yourself apart from, and and the secular bands and the Christians aren't the Christians are getting less subtle nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Christians are getting somewhat less subtle nowadays. Oh boy, let me stop now, oh, Terrell. Man. Let we me were stop. Going deep. Let me stop, man. Listen, I heard you brought something to the table in terms of a of a nice recommendo. All right. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's Christian though, and the no, only let's, let's... or I pray to is mortification yeah let's try oh, don't get me started man i got a mortification joint too man i might have been when i ordered their record um but listen uh Sorry. let's talk let's let's talk more recommendos before before i piss somebody off out there all right yes sir uh oh yo okay i guess i'm starting um, <laughs> yeah i'll put you on the spot <laughs> what do you got what's up there yeah all right all right so my recommendation was a band called agony conscious conscience mm-hmm. from the czech republic Nice. And the record is Look Into the Silence, uh, 1996. And I got to I gotta add the disclaimer. My boy Pierre, who we know from the New York scene, yes. he put me onto this. Shout out to Pierre. And I was, he caught me by surprise. I had no idea about this band, and it hit all the right notes. Um, 
we'll con we'll connect it to your recommendation too. But uh, just to jump ahead a little bit on your recommendation, somebody in the comment says, "Why is this labeled grindcore?" And it's something I want to talk about because your recommendation was almost like death grind, and this is kind of like a death grind band in itself too, where it's brutal but it's grindy, right? It's off the hinges, um, very cryptoxy um, adjacent with the super fast gank beats and blast parts. And um, Agony Conscious is definitely kind of ahead of the game because I, I can't think of another record that's like this. Um, it also reminds me of the first Brutal Truth record in the drums with the hyper blasting. Um, and there's a lot of uh, ambient and noise noisecapes that they kind of play around with. It starts with this acoustic, this beautiful acoustic piece, and then goes into this ridiculous slam over like a double stroke roll, like you're listening to Cephalotripsy or something like that. Yeah. But this predates Cephalotripsy by almost 10 years. Um, yeah, it, it caught me off guard and I saw this, I saw the logo, I thought the logo was sick for something back in the day. And I'm like, you know, maybe Will may not know this. So I, I finally got something to crack him upside the head. <laughs> and that you did. I, do, I wasn't familiar with this band. Um, yeah, really interesting use of kind of like samples and sound of like more like sound effects and atmosphere yeah. more than like samples. Like it's not like there's a bombardment of movie dialogue or something. These guys are hitting you with sound effects that sometimes complement certain parts of the song. Um, and, and, you know, work as little interludes and things like that. And it's, it's a very, like, it sounds like somebody with a mind for industrial music or experimental noise was yeah. involved with this. Uh, vocals are beyond brutal and guttural. So over the top guttural and brutal, um, and, and ignorant, but so sick. And it's like, yeah, it, it kind of sounds like pre-ping. Like it's not relentless yeah. blasting. There are mid-tempo parts and things like that, but it sounds like a band that, <laughs> I, like they would have been a ping band if they had if they had appeared later, you know, if like a generation later. I don't know, you know, like that mindset. Um, <clears throat> and I was like listening to this, and I, you know, I was thinking to myself certain aspects of this in terms of the like experimental kind of quality of of the um, the noise and stuff, and the the overall brutality. Of the vocals reminded me of the band, the Czech band, Garbage Disposal from the nineties. And I also, <laughs> yes. especially with the vocals over the top, I thought of genital gore, and then I and then I I did the and I did the metal archives. It turns out there's members uh, of Garbage Disposal and Genital Gore who've been involved in this band, but they were both drummers, so neither of them had anything to do with the qualities <laughs> that I thought sounded similar. So I do it, make of that what you will. Um, but yeah, they're the drummer. Uh, Dusan Vergler, um, of this band used to be in Garbage Disposal, and at one point they also had Daryl Novosad of Genital Gore in this band. So I, I think what that speaks to maybe more is they're probably from a similar region, and uh, you know maybe some like-minded ideas. Maybe yeah. they they probably uh, were influenced by similar um, you know older generation albums and things like that. I don't know, you know, so uh, pro probably maybe more of a regional sound and regional influence thing going on there. Um, I just thought that that was a funny coincidence because I wasn't necessarily expecting to find um, any members in common, uh, let alone members that didn't necessarily have anything to do with the vocals, which I thought were the most common aspect. So 
Uh, and for people who hate my vocals, you're really not going to like this band. Um, <laughs> this is what I would aspire to. Really sick shit, man. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. And it's it's over-the-top brutal and guttural, but with a great attention to atmosphere and experimental kind of like noise and electronic qualities like we talked about, too. So it definitely keeps your attention, you know? Really good shit, man. Yeah, the Czech bands, which I love. I love that Czech Republic scene, especially the Duck Run scene. There's no shortage shortage of experimentation, um, especially when you talk about other bands like Alienation, Mental, and uh, Contrastic. Uh, I think it's Contrastic that um, also incorporated industrial and like sometimes electronic dance music into their uh, songs and stuff like that. So there was definitely an era of experimentation, especially in that mid to late 90s in, in the Czech Republic. And the vocals too, uh, also reminded me of Danny from Malignancy, like his his like intrauterine um, vo- uh, cannibalism vocals and uh, vocals on the split with Interval Bazaar, I think. Um, so, you know, early 90s Malignancy. But yeah, this, these guys are sick. And I know you said it was the drummer that was involved with the other projects, but that doesn't mean that maybe he didn't vocalize an interest for the industrial effects and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, maybe it's, you know, more of a great minds think alike type of yep. thing, man. Um, awesome, Ben. So, oh yeah, Tom, if you want to bring, what is it? Uh, Agony Conscience, Look Into the Silence, right? Yes, sir. Terrell, you set me up on that last one, so I'm going to go in for it. I I brought to the table uh, none other than Hemdale. Um, ben, most people are probably somewhat familiar with, man. Uh, Hemdale's 1994 demo tape. Um, not, you know, it's probably something a lot of our listeners who, who uh, have heard who are kind of like, you know, in, in the... Um, in this podcast, like general sphere of, of what we cover. If not, though, just so you know, Hemdale is a Cleveland, Ohio based, uh, I'm going to say grind, death grind band, although that that's one thing, part of it that we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, that goes back to 1993, came back in 2013 with an altered lineup and is um, still going as far as I know. This demo tape is a great place to start. I'm talking about the self-titled 1994 demo in particular. I also have the um, Exit 13 Hemdale split and the um, Rad Jackson uh, compilation from 2002 on, on Relapse. All these things are great examples of their original era of the band, I would say. Where do I start? I remember reading an interview with members of this band in a zine from the 90s back in the day that they loved Grave. They loved Graves into the Grave and Older Grave, and that was a big influence on them, which might not necessarily be apparent, but then when you listen to Hemdale, you're like, they they kind of, they loved Grave's guitar tone. Like, they took certain aspects of Grave, but they made it into the, I mean, they, they, tune, they tune comically low in Hemdale. And... 
Yep. It's like G or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And the guitar tone is just ridiculous. The drums have that. They were one of the first bands I really remember hearing. That's my own experience that had that crisp snare drum sound that cut through all this wall of sound of the guitars like that with what they were doing. Um, uh, Hyper blasting, really fast blasts for their era. And the vocals were brutal, but tongue in cheek at times with what they were doing, but not over the limit to where it was like gut, which gets comical, right? Or macabre. Or macabre, exactly. Uh, Hemdale was just enough of all the right elements to be a really original band. Um, and I would say, well, here's the thing. I'm not even going to, uh, when, when I was a teenager, Adam and Adam Rotella, when we were teenagers and in our early twenties, and this is when we were teenagers, early twenties, it doesn't necessarily speak for how elitist or whatever we would be now, but Adam and I had a lot of opinions and I got most of my opinions from Adam when I, when I, when we were teenagers, um, on music, Adam, after long, de- careful deliberation, decided that Hemdale was a gore grind band um, and Mortician also in almost like an honorary fashion because on paper, they're death metal bands like, but they're 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 kind of gore grind bands, dude. Like, it's like, look yeah. how low they tune. Look at the, the simplicity of the song structures, the blast. It's like there's it's just enough. It's death grind, but it's just enough over to the grind part and uh, proportionally enough to make it gore grind for some reason. It just, it is. And I, I don't want to hear any arguments about it unless you have one. To <laughs> no, I agree with that. And then especially in the artwork, it always had that gore grind kind of feel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah. And I always associated Hemdale in my head with the band Dahmer, which I really like. And Dahmer is a straight up gore grind band, I would say. Good call. Yeah, this Gore Grind is a whole debate, right? Is it about the subject matter? Is it about the elements? And you can even argue about that about like certain death metal or black metal too. Um, but I agree with everything you said about Hemdale. I I kind of slept on this demo. I was familiar with the Rad Jackson compilation, but this has different production than the demo. This demo is pretty intense, and uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's I, I, I love it. I love the sound, and it it, it kind of. When I heard Rad Jackson, I was like, okay, these guys have, like, a sense of humor. And even on the cover, you got, like, the zombie dude hugging the cat. It's like, okay, it's cute. When I heard this demo, I was like, okay, this is, like, way more serious feeling. Um, Yeah. The production is almost like, uh, I'm sure it was done to tape or something that just got so heavily compressed that when it's just guitars, the guitar fills up the whole image and it's just low blaring and then when the drums come in it just like shuts down everything else and cuts through everything it's it's that uh Mm. push and pull in in that uh overly compressed tape production whether you like it or not um but it it adds a vibe to the music Uh, well on that note i heard this on cassette tapes that adam dubbed me you know of of it many years ago so so then yeah exactly hearing it on a cassette which is gonna impart even more of an effect than from when it was recorded you know, we'll, we'll make the the experience unique and even more intense. Um, I'm glad you also brought up Mortician, even though you didn't compare them to Mortician. You just said that Adam said, you know, Mortician is like a Gorgoran band. But, you know, the obvious comparison, there is a little bit of a Mortician vibe in terms of uh, having the grindy feel and having the low-tuned guitars and the uh, down-tempo parts. 
Also, another band that came to mind is Deterioration, which is a newer band, um, but they're also from Ohio. But I, I realized today that like Deterioration is kind of pushing that Hendale sound in their own way, because in my opinion, I characterize Deterioration as brutal grindcore, and they're kind of like a death grind band. But I say brutal grindcore because it's 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 undoubtedly grind but it's so like brutal in terms of its delivery and the vocal style and everything. Then I go back and listen to Hemdale. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of parallels here. There's maybe a little less blasting in uh, Hemdale compared to Deterioration, but you could tell that's uh, one of their influences. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really it. I guess it goes back to that initial comment. I said, like, is this grindcore? Yeah. In a sense it is. Is it gore grind? Yeah, in the sense it is. It's death metal. It's it's death grind. It's certainly grindy, right? It's it's got the heaviness, the chunkiness of de the death metal that we love, but it's got the urgency of grindcore and the aesthetic, and with the black and white imagery and the gore imagery of the grindcore at the time. So, you know, bands like Mezzarine, Dahmer, Hendale, they all kind of fit together in my mind um, as a big collective, and that collective happens to be more gore grind death grind oriented uh i would say great call on the Dahmer comparison because both bands are extremely catchy low tuned but totally. like but like relent like like <laughs> i don't want to i don't want the listeners thinking the wrong thing but like danceable in a way like 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 catchy in the way that like punk is catchy you know what i mean like really yeah, yeah. catchy in the way that good thrash is catchy you know what i mean like hemdale for a low-tuned band, like, they are really fucking catchy, kind of earwormy, with, you know, sometimes. For, and, for you know, with simplistic low-tuned riffs, they just, they really make it all lock in into such a catchy package, man. And I, I'll just say on what you what you said about how this demo, this demo, especially with the album, with the cover of this demo, the song titles, the overall atmosphere that they set with it, it is more serious than Rad Jackson and on later releases. When Adam first introduced me to all this type of music... Hemdale had come out with this demo and a few splits, and at the time, their drummer at the time, their original drummer, Craig Rowe, was running Visceral Productions, which was a underground label at the time. I believe they put out the first Nile album uh, before Relapse yeah, I was just reading started that. working with... Yeah, and they had... I want to say maybe they were working with Deeds of Flesh. I, I'm, I'm trying to... He had a big distribution, and he was working with several bands. Um... I didn't go back and look that up exactly, but but Visceral Productions uh, was his label, and I think at the time he was doing Visceral Productions. At some point, he that's when Hemdale broke up or went on hiatus. I think we were all waiting for Hemdale to come back or something for a while, and then then they did come back, or or maybe you know they they came back off off of hiatus or, of, or whatever break they were on for a while, and that's when they were on relapse. And even that, it took a long time for relapse to put something out. This is all. I mean, I'm I'm going off of my high school memories, so a long time for teenage will might not actually be as long as it took. But I this is my recollection of like Hemdale in real time as like a teenage metal fan waiting for that album, and then Rad Jackson finally did come out. And it was good, but, you know, I mean, I get, they were always a band that brought, like I said, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor to the game, but they never pushed it to that macabre or gut realm where it was, like, you know, very comical and kind of corny in, in some ways. 
and I felt like with with you know with Rad Jackson it was a little over the top, but it, but it was nice. It's very listenable if you love Hemdale. Great, great, still a great album. You know what I mean? I could do kittens on album covers. Not my style. That's all it comes down to. Um, but we we love kittens on the heavy hole. Yeah, yeah, cats are great. There, I I was at the animal shelter this morning. I didn't want to. <laughs> been talking about adopting a dog on the podcast every episode i was trying not to bring it up but I, yeah i was looking at a couple of a couple of these little, these little guys at the animal shelter this morning um but i don't want to see him on on an album cover that's all i'm saying um <laughs> so anyway regardless i you know i think we about covered it i just want people to check this out and i am well aware that hemdale is is um you know active and has been active for many years with a reformed lineup i don't believe craig Rowe is with the band anymore um but we, you know we wish them the best of luck and uh, you know they do have a uh, an invitation on the podcast, uh, you know, any, any time. I do still support the new lineup of Hemdale and all that. I just wanted to kind of bring this throwback on. That, that's all I wanted to say, man. Any uh, closing out thoughts, Terrell? Yeah, just to follow up with what you were saying about Craig Rowe and Visceral Productions. Yeah, you mentioned Nile. There's also Incantation, Exhumed, Scattered Remnants. Um, yeah. As per Metal Archives. Yeah, Scattered, and- scattered Remnants. <laughs> And uh, to your point about being catchy, man, there's nothing wrong with being catchy. And, you know, I was going to say poser alert. It's huh. okay to be catchy, you know, contextually speaking. And you could flame me or not, but I've said this to many people. None So Vile is one of the catchiest albums ever. Yes. And it's almost, it's borderline pop in terms of its catchiness. In terms of catchiness. I, Not I, subject matter and delivery and drums, but mm-hmm. the song structure, everything, every single riff, every single part of that album is earworm. So yeah, yeah. pop in like a producer's sense. Not in yeah. yeah. I, 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 I kind of know what you, I kind of know what you're getting at. I would almost wager that Demolition Nesbeth is is similar in that in that regard. This a little it's a little funkier, a little funkier. You know, it just it's 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 all about the earworm, the way something yeah. sticks in your head. You know what I mean? Um, Hell yeah. But, but yeah, man, I think we'll leave it there. Um, Tom, bring him in with a little bit of that Hemdale 1994 demo. Maybe you might want to adjust the bass on your speakers. Extinction AD, good man. Thank you for joining me today. We appreciate him and the rest of those guys. Uh, Terrell, thank you very much for joining me and for bringing great gifts of uh, death grind from the Czech Republic to me today. That I at any time you you, uh, you uncover a Czech Republic band from the '90s that I'm not already familiar with, I love that that little Easter egg. And I'm not saying I know all of them. There's plenty I don't know about. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. I told you this caught me off guard, and it's like. How the hell did I not know about this band? Great band, and as we as we showed you today, a lot of interrelated uh, band members throughout all these bands. You know, if you find if you find a Czech Republic death grind band that goes back to the '90s that you like, you're probably gonna find that there's members in and out of that band that are in other bands you like, and it never stops. It just you go further down the wormhole, man, until you gotta check yourself. Oh, like, shout out to Buckshot. Like a wise man once said. Yeah, yeah. Buckshot facelift, man. Um, 
Uh, with that being said, uh, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email like the homie Stephen Tuck did, let us know what's on your mind, what you want to listen to, what you've been listening to, shows, what's going on, something you want us to talk about. Um, shoot us the old uh, voicemail. The number should be in the description. Wherever you're listening to this, we got Heavy Hole Podcast at patreon.com with outtakes and little bonus episodes. We get little, little tricks and trinkets for you, tough guy. Um, beyond that, what do we got? What do we got to pump right now, man? Uh, by the time this episode comes out, um, I think we're gonna be well into the the late February. So go ahead and catch Afterbirth at that um Connecticut Death Fest. Oh That's, yeah. What's up? Oh, sorry. Yeah, just <laughs> just got reminded that this waiting list has not come through yet for this other Afterbirth show. But I, it's, not, it's gonna pop. I'm, it's I'm, gonna pop off. I'm not even. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, the Connecticut Death Fest is March eighth. Uh, and March 9th at 250 Bradley Street, East Haven, uh, East Haven, Connecticut. Um, Afterbirth, of course, headlining March 9th, uh, along with many great bands, Doom Creeper, Blemish, Wretched Inferno. Go check out the website. Check them out on social media. Connecticut Death Fest, March 8th and 9th in Connecticut, of all places. Uh, East Haven, Connecticut. And you're right. Um, the Two Mold uh, is headlining two nights in a row at St. Vitus. Um, was it the 23rd and 24th, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, I believe so. Uh, Afterbirth, of course, uh, very honored and privileged to be playing that Friday night, and Glorious Depravity uh, playing the Saturday night, man. So that's um, it's gonna be a banger. I, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it's all sold out. So that, that's kind of why I'm not really like hyping it on the podcast. I don't want people to like look for tickets and you know. Fair like, enough. If you're going, you're going. You know, what I mean, if you want to get on the waiting list, get on the waiting list. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, dog. I already got my cousin and uh, buddy of mine on the guest list, man. That's all I could do for people. Um, uh, you know, people will hit you up out of the woodwork too, man. People you haven't talked to in a long time. All of a sudden when shows get announced and they know they're going to sell out, man, people want that guest yep. spot, but that's a story for another time, man. Um, Terrell, I thank you very much for joining me. Do you have anything to plug or promote amongst your projects or are you keeping it low for now? Keeping it low, just working on <laughs> demos and those, those recordings will come out. People will know. All right. Yeah. They're going to know. And, and when it is time, man, I'm going to have you back on here, man. No shows coming up or anything, right? No shows. All right, in the lab, in the lab. So when the time's right, they're going to know, man. But I thank you for joining me today. Um, uh, going going with me on a journey through the, the trashiness of my 90s upbringing on TV uh, and, and then coming out of the other end with some some gore grind and death metal, uh, death death grind that proportionally is more grind gold, as we, as we elaborated on and proved <laughs> beyond the shadow of a doubt before, man. So with that being said... Uh, Tom, why don't we take him out with a little bit of that old month? No, let's, let's not do Montel Jordan. Oh yeah, let's do it. No, that no, no, let, no. This is that's not how we do that it. That is how we do that, it. No, no, that's literally not how we do it, bro. All right, I'm not dating anybody that was born when Violet's demo dropped. All right, all right, all right, all right let's go. This is how we do it.